0: Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to another episode of Mario's Minute. This is, man, episode 16 at this point, right? Yeah, episode 16. In case you do not know, this is a monthly podcast I like to do, and yes, I did say podcast despite it being here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. If you're checking out the video here, I mean, you're more than welcome to, just the only thing is it's really just kind of the image of what I use on the channel with a cool visualizer on top of it. I personally think the visualizer is pretty cool, but I don't know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, let me know on that. Uh, Either way though, I have gotten compliments on it, but talking about this, this is a monthly podcast I like to do where it's just real casual and I just talk directly with you all. What I've been trying to do recently is every other month switching off, so one month. I'm just by myself talking about whatever the hell I want to. Other months, I will have a guest on. And so far, I've been successful with that this year. I've been alternating. And also, I have no idea if you could hear the sirens. But man, it has just been, I've been recording things today. You know what? And this is how it is. It's very casual. It's laid back. I'm probably going to cuss a little bit more, rant a bit talk about whatever but since it is a podcast I should also say this as well too Uh, it is available on most major podcasting platforms if you have a preferred platform or app of choice just look up Mario's Minute and you can get the mp3 podcast form there so you can actually take it with you and listen to this as a podcast I do enjoy podcasts I do enjoy listening to them I actually listen to them I really rarely watch them so It's very important to me between this and Mod Chat to make sure that my podcasts are, well, actually delivered as podcasts. That's a whole other thing. But anyways, I was just talking about the sirens there. Man, I have been recording stuff just now. I recorded two videos prior to this, and I'm doing this. And at one point, in the middle of one of the videos, my neighbor just turned on his motorcycle super loud I don't even think it's him you know I think it's just a guest that was over because I hadn't seen them before but is revving it up and everything so I had to sit here for like two minutes kind of stewing for a bit while they just went off and then had to re-record that little section but man it gets noisy sometimes it gets noisy and stuff like that I will say those types of noises more annoy me when I'm trying to do something something like my dog barking like Lily for example to me that's humorous Unless I'm trying to get to bed, which she did that last night. She started barking a bunch while, like, I was literally about to go to bed, and then she started barking, but that's, you know, that's her being her. her. I I can't hate on her for that simply because it's a dog's duty to bark, but still. Either way, though, either way, we're going to be talking about a few things this episode. Now, this is the April 2019 episode. I've been doing this since, what, I mean, yeah January 2018 I said 2019 I really hope I said 2019 I'm a little bit tired on here admittedly but yeah this is the April 2019 episode here that we're going to be covering and because it is April in the U.S. guess what month that is known for I'm sure it's known for other things but to me it's known for taxes. That's one thing I like to be on top of for sure. And that is one of those things where they say in life the only two things that are guaranteed in life are death and taxes. And also I am of the belief there are very few things you can really lie about. well there, there there's few things that you should not lie about under any circumstances. And one of those is taxes because if you do that's tax fraud. So, you know. Now, I'm sure there's people who are celebrating getting their returns back. Uh, Unfortunately, I ended up paying this past year to both my state and federal taxes. So um, it was a good sign. I can say that. But at the same time, I had to change around a few things. So I'm not paying as much. Uh, But I did have to pay to both of them. So I wasn't celebrating a big, giant tax return. But even if you're getting, here's just a pro tip. If you're getting like a giant tax return, you might want to go to your employer and adjust your W-2 because that means that they are taking out way too much money every paycheck and it might not even be that much it could be like for example they're taking I don't know I'm just thinking this off the top of my head if you adjust it they could be giving you another $50 more or less depending on what it is but even though this is quite hard to do the perfect setup would be if if you've done everything perfectly you set it all up perfectly you should owe nothing and gain nothing from state and federal does that happen no but your goal is to get your turn To zero. So that way, you are not giving, you know, the government all this, uh, an extra loan, so to speak. And at the same time, you're not going to be owing a ton of money. So getting as close to zero when you file your taxes is going to be the most important. But yeah, this year, again, I did have to owe, and I might be might be stressing out some people because they don't want to listen to a podcast and relax and talk about taxes but uh, I'm sorry all right if if you're checking out the video I will have in the description several different time frames in which uh, or time stamps in which you can pick the different topics if you really want to skip past this but I do have a story that is related to this so kind of a little bit of rant something that I had going on here so 2018 A lot of stuff happened to me, good stuff for the most part, um, but stuff that I knew come 2019 when I had to file my 2018 taxes was not going to be fun. And some of the things that ended up happening were I had multiple retirement plans, I had multiple health savings accounts, and I had to close them out and do a few things and such. Essentially, what ended up happening was... Um, I mean, for anybody, I'm, I'm almost kind of talking to people who haven't gone through this. So if you have, and this is redundant information, I apologize, but I'm just trying to tell this to people who have not experienced this before. So my first adult job, so to speak, I guess you could say, I ended up having a 401k. I had a retirement plan through there. Uh, then I ended up transitioning into another company. So I had another 401k that got set up and then I ended up transitioning to another company. So I had another 401k that was set up because typically when you're working for a big company and such, uh, they could have retirement and all that set up for you. And it's quite beneficial to go through that just because they'll match. So for example, they might say something like this would be a good deal, but they will match you for what you put in every single paycheck. Every percentage up to 5%. So that means if you're putting 5% of your paycheck towards retirement, the company will match it up to 5%. So you're putting in 5% of your paycheck, guess what? You're getting another 5% added in for free. It's really free money at that point, which is nice. Some people might explain that it's not, but to me, it makes me feel happier, right, knowing that's free money, that you're getting it from the company. And the general rule of thumb as well, too, for anybody who's going to be going out into the workforce like that or you're going to be, you know, graduating college sometime soon, the general workforce is the maximum matching is the minimum that you should put in. So in that circumstance... If your company says they will match up to 5%, you put in minimum 5% of your paycheck. And you can put in more, there's nothing wrong with that if you can afford it, but at that point, if you're putting in 10% of your paycheck towards your retirement earnings, your company is only going to be matching up to 5% of that, which is still nice because then that means you're technically putting in 15, well, the equivalent, I should say, of 15%, but I digress, that's what's going on with that. So... That's why those are beneficial, but what ended up happening was the first company I was a part of, um, I had enough money in that retirement fund where it did not close out. So meaning it just stayed open and I wasn't putting any money in there, so they were deducting a tiny bit at a time to maintain the account. The second one I had left early enough to the point where I didn't have enough money in there for the retirement company to keep the account open. So typically when something like that happens, you either have to transfer your funds to a new custodian or he needs to empty them out within, I believe it's 60 days, I want to say. And if you don't do that, they can transfer it over to a safe harbor IRA. So that's what ended up happening with this second one. And this was, oh my god, this was a doozy to deal with. So in 2018, at one point when I had some time, I said, you know what, I'm just going to buckle down. I'm going to get all this stuff situated. So I had to end up uh, going through, and I'm hoping I can drop some knowledge on you all with this. Uh, But I went through, and I ended up doing a rollover of my first retirement account over to my new custodian. And when I say that, it's the new 401k account. So when I did that, I ended up closing that one out. They gave me my money as a check. I sent the check off to the new custodian. It got deposited in there. And if you deposit it and do a transfer within 30 days, you don't have to do, you don't have any penalties or any of that fun stuff, which is great. Now, the HSA accounts, uh, one of them I ended up rolling over and I found out in the midst of all of this that you can only roll over one HSA uh, during a calendar year. So I had already, in order to roll them over, you essentially have to close them out and then transfer the funds yourself. So I had closed out both of these accounts. One of them I rolled over. The other one, when I found out about this, as opposed to rolling it over, I I ended up just keeping the money on that, and I said, you know what, It's all, it, it was $15, bucks, all right? So even if I, you know, if, if there's um, fees and such to pay on there, and even if you get punished for it, it's, you know, not that much. So that's why I ended up just eating the cost on that one, and it was fine, and it was taken care of. But when it came to the Safe Harbor IRA, first of all, don't be like me. Just don't be like me. Don't be negligent about this, all right? Because I wasted time and technically I even wasted money doing this. But first of all, uh, the Safe Harbor IRA, it ended up getting transferred over to some other company. And they had sent me some paperwork at one point, which I had no idea where it went. But I had to claim this account. So when I started, you know, buckling down and getting all of this figured out and crash coursing, I found out I had to claim my account. So I had to file some official documentation i got the documents from them i had to file them only time i've ever done this in my life but i had to get them legally notarized as well and then send them off and at one point they verified that i was the owner of the account and i said cool as the owner of this account i want to close it down and withdraw my my funds because i want to roll them over so they did that They gave me my funds, I rolled them over to my new retirement account, and everything was fine at that point. And I said, cool, I do not have to deal with this until 2019. And this has just been going on for months at this point. So for anybody now that does not know, what you end up doing is you are supposed to get, if something like that happens, from your former custodian, you are supposed to get, I believe it is a 1098 div i want to say that's it you're supposed to get a tax form essentially if you do anything with your retirement funds aside from adding to them so if you're retired and you're withdrawing money from your retirement funds or you have to pull money out of your retirement for whatever reason or you're doing what i did where you close out a retirement fund and move the money to another you are supposed to get a tax form that shows what happened with that to prove it so The first year when my second job, I guess that's it. Yeah, when my second job, when that account ended up getting rolled over into a safe harbor IRA, there's a lot to take in. I just have to kind of get my ducks straight here, all my ducks in a row. Uh, When that ended up rolling over, even though I didn't touch any of that money, I got a tax form for that. When my first account, when I rolled it over myself, I got a tax form for that. So I was thinking, okay, cool, I should get one for the Safe Harbor IRA. Now, the company that I was dealing with, I decided to give them a call and they said, yep, we're going to give you a tax form. It should be getting to you uh, by or around January 31st. Because for anyone that doesn't know, in the US, companies have to legally send out tax forms to you by latest January 31st. They can't be postmarked later than that. Technically, they can, but it is illegal if if they do that. So that's just the whole thing on there. They don't really get punished for it, but I digress. So what ended up happening was I kind of waited on that. And then there were a few calls I had to make, but I had to make another call. And then they had told me, oh, yeah, we sent out your form on January 31st. Uh, Please wait 10 business days and call us if you have not gotten it. So I think I waited 11 business days. And then I called them and said, hey, I don't have the form. And they said, okay, well, we're really sorry to hear about that. Uh, we can get you a new form. Unfortunately, it can only be electronic. And I said, oh, great. That's that's actually perfect at that point then because that means I'm going to get it faster. And they said, cool, you, we should have it to you in a few days. Uh, we'll keep you posted and we will update you. So a few days later, they end up email, e- emailing me. This really long explanation and essentially said, hey, we actually don't need to send out a tax form to you because the way this happened, you had transferred the money. You didn't do an actual distribution. You had done a distribution with the intent of sending it to your new custodian, which you did. So therefore, it doesn't count as a distribution and you don't have to file anything. So we're not going to generate a form for you. So I actually emailed them back and I said, okay, that's strange. Is this because this is a safe harbor IRA and there's something that I'm missing? Because I've been on both sides of this. I've seen transfers happen between custodians. And I've also seen transfers happen between the, custo- the old custodian to me to the new custodian. And in both of those situations, I had to get a tax form. So I just want to make sure everything is okay. And then I even sent them a follow-up email, and I actually cited their own website where they explained this. And I said, hey, here is the information here, right? This is all of it. This is what I am seeing. Um, According to your website, what you just told me is incorrect. So can you please verify this information? So what ended up happening was... (laughs) I end up I go through an accountant for my taxes they do a good job it's just easier that way and they like me as well too because they say that hey I I got complimented every year I get complimented for how well I'm able to organize and bring in my documents and anything they ask for bam I have it right there so my job is to make their job as easy as possible so everything is as smooth sailing but what happened was you know kind of sort of my fault but also at the same time it wasn't This company ended up, they sounded pretty confident with it. So I said, you know what, let's just go ahead and file everything because there was a lot of stuff I had to file. So we got it all done. Uh, I had signed off off on the paperwork. I was thinking we'd be all good to go. Around mid-March, I ended up getting an email from this company and they said, hey, good news. Uh, We actually did a further escalation and did research on this case and found out that you do actually need to get a tax form. So we're going to be generating a tax form, we're going to send it to you via FedEx, and you should have it within the next, I don't know, five, six days, something like that. I don't remember what it was, I think it was like five days later I was supposed to get it by end of day on a certain day. I was not happy about that. I emailed them immediately, and I was like, why did this take so long? What is going on? You all have been pulling the rug out from under me you all have lied to me gone back and forth on all these answers i just filed my taxes so what am i supposed to do here and i did and this didn't happen in the end thankfully it didn't needs to but in a moment of anger i said i want to at minimum be paid back for any type of fees that i'm going to have to add on to my accountant because all this was supposed to be done and this is your fault that this is happening now And I think there was another follow-up that I had sent out. No, I sent out a follow-up saying, I want an electronic copy of this. And I figured they might not reply to me. And still to this day, I have not gotten a reply back. But I ended up, and and that doesn't matter for for other reasons I'm going to get into. But what ended up happening was I figured I wasn't going to get anything because it took them like a month to reply to me originally. So I ended up calling them. And I explained it to them. And I wasn't asking about any reimbursement there at that point. But they pretty much just told me the same information. And I wasn't getting anywhere with support. But I said, hey, look, I want an electronic copy. Can I get an electronic copy of this as well? And they said, absolutely, we'll get it to you. And what ended up happening was I waited, you know, the five days or so. And I knew this was going to happen. But I knew nothing. I, I knew nothing was going to happen. So at the end of the five days, again, this is something I was supposed to get almost two months prior, but I ended up, I waited around end of business day that day, still got nothing. I didn't even get the the big telltale sign was I did not even get a electronic document because if it's a physical document, I understand, but if it's an electronic document, it's like, okay, this is going to take what at most two minutes to send to me. So I ended up calling up the support line again and I explained to them and I said, Hey, look, we're at end of day. What's going on? And they kind of just brick walled at that point. They said, we're sorry, there's, there's nothing further we could do. I'm like, so there's there's no ETA you all can give me? No. So I kind of boxed them in here a bit. I said, okay. Well, I, I was asked them. I asked, all right, I, I just like to know, how long do these documents typically take to process this many days? How long does it take to send it out this many days? So we're looking at around this many days in total to get the document process and sent out to me. Yes. But you told me you couldn't give me an ETA. Y- yeah, that's correct. But you also gave me an ETA of today, which you all did not honor. Y- yeah. So I wasn't really getting any- anywhere there. And I said I was wanting it escalated. They said, okay, we'll see what we can do. And I'm just like, look, I am I got off that phone call and and I, I just felt like, you know, I'm not going to get anywhere. I'm not going to get anywhere with this guy. I don't even know if I'm going to need to. Uh, apply for tax extension or not because i very much like being able to pay my stuff on time and i was even ranting to one of my friends about this and in the middle of this i even told him i was like dude i i owe money this year i shouldn't be looking forward to this and he was like dude you're trying to be like the ideal person i get it (laughs) so it's like it, it shouldn't be something that i should be dragging my feet on this but i'm on the opposite end where it's like no even though i have to owe this year I am still trying to do everything on time and get all my ducks in a row, I just want this done with, I think that's more of what it was, I just wanted to rip the bandaid off and this company was not allowing me to do that, so what ended up happening was, I looked around a little bit and this is the first time I had done this, but I said, you know what, I'm going to be one of those people and I'm not even going to feel bad about it because, again... What this company is doing is just fucking illegal, all right? So they can't come down on me for doing this. But what happened was I was looking up some situations, I found some things that were similar to this, and I ended up finding the contact information for the CEO and the executive vice president of the company. It wasn't any, like, any way nefarious I found it, I just found them through simple searches and some other similar experiences that other people had. So what I did was I, I was just, man, I was just so disappointed at that point. But I opened up my email, I composed a proper email, it was lengthy, it went through pretty much all the stuff I told you all, and I broke it all down to them. And I attached the CEO and the executive vice president. And I said in there, hey, look, I have been told lies multiple times through your company, I am not getting any straight answers. This is something that should have been taken care of almost two months ago can you please give me any sort of help just please look into this cross-reference what I'm talking to you all about here's the information and please look into this because this should have been taken care of and within it was in the evening as well too but within I want to say two hours I actually got a reply back I was surprised I got a reply back from the executive vice president and he said look I read through this I got it in front of several people who should be able to help you out. I'm real sorry. We're going to get you sorted. So the next day, I thanked him, and he said, "No problem. That's what we're here for. Uh, You should be in contact with someone here pretty soon." Within 30 minutes, another executive ended up reaching out to me, and I they, they were something along the lines of something something for customer relations. They were a high up customer relations type person, and they said, "Hey." Uh, We'll be able to get you all of this. We're going to be able to get you this document. We'll be able to send it to you overnight. And if you want to, we can even give you an electronic copy. Just let us know, give us authorization, and we'll be happy to do that. So I said, sure, awesome. Here's all the information for that. So they said, okay, well, we should be able to have something out to you, hopefully by end of day today. Within about two hours, they ended up sending me an electronic copy of the document I needed, which I forwarded onto the accountant and they were able to give me a tracking number and it was a day late. So it wasn't overnight, but two days later I got a physical copy of this document and they apologized and said, you know what? This is something that, you know, we probably just had all the information for, but we weren't able to, and we should have, you know, we should have done better, but you know, all good. So I thanked them for doing that. They appreciated that. And man, man, You know, even though it has a happy ending, and by the way, I didn't have to pay anything extra because essentially with the way it all was handled, my accountant asked me, they said, okay, well, is this going to change your overall income number for the year? And I said, no, because I didn't keep any of the money. I got it through a check. And I sent it to my new custodian. And they said, okay, cool. As long as it doesn't affect any of the other numbers, like any of the final big numbers, you don't have to pay anything extra. So that was nice. It took them an extra few minutes of work. They double checked it again. And then they were able to file everything properly. So I didn't have to pay anything extra on that front, thankfully. But it was just so much time, so much effort, so much stress on that. And even though, again, this story does have a happy ending, I'm still annoyed by it. And I still don't think it is a good decision on that simply because I shouldn't have to go over so many people's heads and go out of my way to email executives just to get something like this done. That should not happen. That should not be a thing. And for this situation, it did happen. I don't even like doing that either because I don't want to be one of those people that's going to just say, oh, you know what? I'm going to complain straight to the CEO about this. But at the same time, it's like, look, this is this is a pretty big thing here. This is dealing with taxes. And you know what? I was prepared. If you all are not going to help me, I'll just file a complaint, whatever I have to do through the IRS. And they're going to push down on this company to help me out. So whether I get the help from you from a government entity i'm somehow going to do it because all i have to do is tell the irs and say look i can't file my taxes because this company was supposed to send me this document by january 31st and i've been trying to get it from them and they keep lying to me so please help them out help me out (laughs) but man i'm so happy that's that's done at the same time i i know i sound a little bit annoyed with it i ranted about that but i'm happy it's all done let's talk about something uh let me get some water here but let's talk about something more positive. Oh man, that burned a little bit too, damn. So, at one point, uh, I got several texts and several messages across several different platforms from from several different friends and people I know, online people, offline people, what have you, and I was, I was, would it be mentioned or featured, I don't know. One of my videos was clipped and credited in a Game Ranks video. Now, I'm personally not a fan of Game Ranks, so I'm just kind of like, you know, this is cool, but at the same time, eh, I don't like this channel that much. But it was some video about, I don't know, some top 10 thing about things that you can do with your old systems. And number 10 was modding your original Xbox. And they ended up using a clip and thankfully, you know, they credited me. They put down, you know, Mr. Mario 2011 and the upload date and they had my icon and all that in the corner, which they didn't have to do because I felt like this was fair use. But they used a clip of my tutorial showing how to soft mod a original Xbox using the Soft Installer Deluxe tool. I do wish that they used the Rocky Five one I had because in my opinion, it also looked better, but I digress. It was all good. So... There was one person who said, Oh man, that's not cool. That they didn't ask you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Well, they used like 10 or 20 seconds of my clip, which is fair use in my opinion for a 10 minute plus video. And on top of that, they credited me, which is nice. I really didn't get a boost from it, in all honesty. I, I didn't notice any type of boost I got in terms of views or sub growth, uh, but it was just one of those things where I had multiple people reach out to me over the course of several days, like, hey I was watching this video and you're in it and it's always funny when that happens so I kind of want to take this time to talk about a few different times I've had where I've been I guess recognized so to speak. So I got a few stories here let me let me see if I can run through them. One of them ended up being um, one of my good friends at work. We were talking about this and I remember at one point he ended up a lot of these, damn, you know, a lot of these are from work, a lot of these are, oh well, you, you spend 40 hours a week somewhere, it's going to become your second home, right, <laughs> but one of my good friends from there, uh, he was gone for several weeks, and he ended up uh, coming back, and I met him over at his desk, and he kind of just swiveled around to me, he's like, I found your YouTube channel, and I was just like, oh, you did, he said, yeah, and I asked, okay, uh, well, how did you find it I'm just curious he said well I was uh, you know I'm, I'm looking into PS3 stuff and I decided to look up you know some PS3 related videos and how jailbreak PS3 and I saw a few videos and there was one I watched and the voice sounded real familiar and there was another video I watched from you and it still sounded really familiar And then I clicked on the channel and I saw you and I heard you in more voice. And and then at that point, I knew it was you. Damn, you have a lot of subscribers. And granted, this was, I mean, this was a while ago. He was talking about probably my, he was probably talking about my PS3 exploit, my first video over 4.82 I did. Um, It might have, no, it might have even been before that one. I think it was before that, actually. Yeah, so it was one of my old PS3 videos, not even any of the newer ones, which in my opinion are much better, Uh, but there was that. I think one of my, uh, I had mentioned this before, but one of my friends who had reached out to me who I hadn't seen in a long time, and he was someone, I mentioned him uh, very early in one of the earlier episodes of Mario's Minute, but I had said that he essentially, he reached out to me, he was... He was a bit of a dick before, and he you know apologized for his actions and all that. But uh, when one of my PS2 videos was blowing up, uh, he had reached out to me, and I think it was the how to so, like how to not how to soft mod, but uh, let's refurbish and soft mod a fat PS2. He messaged me, and he was like, "Hey, found your YouTube channel," and I just kind of said, "Well, welp. It's <laughs> so literally all I said because you gotta think of it from my perspective. I'm just like. Why are you messaging me? I don't want to talk to you. We'd we never really got along all that well. You were always a dick to me. And, you know, again, we worked past it. And we're really good friends now at this point, thankfully. And he's not trying to, you know, glomp onto any type of e-fame or what have you. He doesn't care about that. And again, you know, he he's pretty much told me he was at a bad place in life before. He's in a much better place now. And he fully copped to his mistakes. But he even kind of said, yeah, I was on YouTube and then I had autoplay running and this video popped up and the voice sounded really familiar. And then I realized it was you. So that was nice to see. I know there was um, there was one other story. I have a couple others. Uh, one other one, there was one person who I was working with at one point and somehow the word had gotten out that I'd worked on a few videos here and there and we had talked about this, and he even told me, he was like, hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen your channel before. I think a few years ago, I was trying to, like, jailbreak my Xbox 360, and I'm pretty sure I've seen at least one of your videos. And I just kind of said, that is... That makes the most sense. I am not even surprised at that point. You know, if, if there's any video that you probably saw, it was probably one of those, so... Yep. If you were looking up how to mod an Xbox 360, you probably saw at least one of my videos. (laughs) That was about it that we covered on there. Um, But then I think the the last story on this, the last one that I have, um, and it's certainly not, you know, the only one that's happened with this, but... Probably one of my more entertaining ones, in my opinion, just because the reaction to this was so great. Uh, so when I had started in a new role at one point, I had a coworker who was right next to me and we were talking and I think it was the first like two weeks that I ended up meeting her, but it was one week I ended up coming in and it was on a Monday morning and she saw me and she's like, Oh, <laughs> you, I was like, wait me. What are you talking about? And she's just saying, Oh, that, 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 YouTube, YouTube. And I'm one of those people, so in the real, I really don't like to bring a whole lot of attention to what I do, you know, on YouTube and such. I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm just, I try and be a humble person. I don't like to, you know, brag, oh, I have this channel, it has this many subscribers, I get this many views per video. I don't like to do that personally, that's just not me. Um, But if it ends up coming up in conversation and people are pushing a little bit and I feel like talking about it, I'll open up. And in this situation, so I was kind of holding back a bit and I was like, yeah, I'm me. And YouTube is a large website that hosts videos. What did what's going on? And she was like, I, I, I saw you, I I saw you on there. And some of my other coworkers listening, they're like, wait, what's, what's going on? So I'm just kind of letting her talk. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. And she said, yeah, no. I was at home this weekend and my husband was looking at videos for a new Switch and I heard a voice and it sounded super familiar and I I went over because I was trying to figure out what this familiar voice was and it was your voice and I even told my husband I said I work with this guy and he was saying, "Oh no, there there's no way." He didn't believe her in short. And she was like, "No, it's definitely him." And then he watched another one of my videos. And she was telling him, she's like, I'm telling you, that's him. I work right next to this guy. And you saying, no, that's bullshit. You don't know this guy. This is just this is just some dude on YouTube reviewing switch cases. How do you? How could you possibly know him? And, uh, then she ended up getting her own phone out and she found my channel and she said that she saw my icon and she was pretty sure it was me, but she couldn't prove it because it wasn't my actual, cause you know, it's a cartoon. So like, it wasn't my actual photo. And then she finally found a video that had me like in real life, me on there. And she was like, that's him. That is him. I work with this guy. I'm telling you. And he still didn't believe her in the end. He's just like, that's okay, honey, that's nice. But no, you don't work with him. All right. This is just some random dude on the internet. (laughs) So she was all excited about that. And I just kind of laughed. And I said, yeah, that, uh, I I do have a few switch case reviews and that is me. And, uh, she was even saying, she's like, wow, no, I saw you have so many subscribers and all that. And then some other coworkers were asking, I was like, yeah, yep, no, it's fine. Yeah. That's, that's what it is, what it is. (laughs) But, um No, what ended up happening was we talked about switch cases. We talked about recommendations. That's how we ended up becoming, you know, better friends and all that, where she found me through, like, I guess she didn't find me through there, but we ended up, you know, being acquainted as being coworkers, and then we sat next to each other, and then they had a switch. I have a switch. I had all these cases. I had case reviews that they found, and they were asking about them, and we talked about it a few times here and there, but, yeah, it was nice. But I even offered, I was like, do you want to, like, get a picture of me or do you want to get a picture together to show your husband that I am indeed that person? And she said, no, it's fine. I guess I guess he wasn't going to believe her regardless. But either way, I found that one to be funny just because of, you know, how excited she was and the reaction that was going on there. So, yeah. I think the only other little one I can really think of is uh, when I was mentioned in, not mentioned, but my voice clips were featured in a Crobcab video or Crobcab, I guess, it's, I don't know how you say his name. They were featured in the Uya video for a few seconds. And over the course of a week or two, I had several people message me. They're like, dude, I just heard your voice in this Crobcab video. What's going on? And I'm like, oh yeah, he used one of my my, my single video I ever did about the Uya, which at this point, I still do not have an Uya." Still, never got one. If if I can ever find one for twenty or twenty five bucks, I'll definitely get it. I think the most I would pay, and this is not like me seeking one out online or anything. Like I would have to like find it in a store, covered in dust but brand new. If I can get one complete with a controller for fifty bucks, I'll I'll buy it immediately. But I don't even see them, so you know it is what it is. I never got a Ouya, but I made a video on it, which people seem to really like. So that was cool at least (laughs) but yeah what ended up happening um i guess the only other thing on this another exclusive other topic but another thing i wanted to talk about here was uh my good friend my boy I, i love this dude all right so if you're listening mvg i love you but modern vintage gamer he has gone through some bullshit recently. and I I just want to talk about this. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm, I'm saying going to be because I'm actually recording this slightly before Mod Chat. Just because of scheduling purposes, you know, personally and such. Um, this is going to work out better for me. But I'm trying to signal boost this, you know, as much as I can to my limited abilities here. So that means I'm going to talk about this on Mod Chat. I'm going to talk about this on social media. And I'm going to talk about it here as well, too. Because I'm sure there's people that are going to listen to this. They don't listen to Mod Chat. So in case you don't know Modern Vintage Gamer, he makes phenomenal videos on YouTube. And they are modding related. They are very technical. I know he was originally like when he was coming up like the Amiga guy. And then the video that made him blow up, which made me discover him, was uh, something called like the original Xbox is still awesome. And this was made in late 2017. Where he went out, he bought a original Xbox for like $50, he soft modded it, t flashed it, put emulators on there, and this video blew the fuck up. It exploded in views and really was the beginning of a whole lot of growth and trajectory for his channel again that's how i ended up getting acquainted with him and we reached out like i reached out to him we started talking we became good friends we've collaborated several times i've had him on one of my videos um i've had him on mod chat as well too i think three times at this point and he's just you know one of my best friends through the platform here but what ended up happening was um he ended up making a video recently where he said that he is being censored by Nintendo and he makes home like he not only like makes homebrew videos, but he makes Homebrew, which in case you don't know is just third-party applications that can run unofficially on a game console. So for example, you know if you make if you have to make an application on the Nintendo switch, You have to go through regular, you know, Nintendo certification, get registered, get yourself a development kit. Um, If you're going to release it, you have to go through their certification process, testing, all that other fun stuff. Homebrew, you take a retail system, you end up having to modify it in a way where you can run third-party unsigned code. So as opposed to playing applications or running applications that are signed by the official company, you can run any application. So the nice thing is with that, you don't have to go through the certification process. It is a lot rougher at times, um, but you can instantly push out something. You have a lot more control over what you're doing Um, in terms of, I guess, version control is what I'm trying to say. If you want to put out a super alpha version of your application or your game, you can do that just by, you know, putting up a Dropbox link or a, a box link or a... Is bo- like box.com, I think that's what it is, or Google Drive link or Discord or anywhere. You know, you can put it up. I'm just trying to explain it to people who don't really follow that. It's running, you know, unsigned applications, non verified applications on a closed, typical closed source environment that's going to regularly require signed applications from the company, whether it be Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo. So what ended up happening is um, he's made several videos over the Switch covering things such as emulators, uh, different aplica- applications such as you know video players and all that stuff. And emulators are the big one where you can use those to play Nintendo games, Super Nintendo, N64 games, all that other fun stuff on your Switch. Now he ended up getting content ID claims on his videos. I'm just being careful with my wording here Because a lot of people have been getting this wrong, and I'm probably going to have to explain the YouTube system here a little bit. Um, So, Content ID, for anybody that does not know, is the copyright system where, let's say, I decide to play a song. I'm not thinking uh, of—I'm just going to have to go through my phone and find something because I'm not thinking of anything right off the top of my head. But a song such as, here's a song I've really enjoyed— Right now, if in the middle of this podcast, I play 30 seconds of the song Call Back by Nothing Nowhere, which is a phenomenal song, and I I would love to play it for you all. But what can end up happening is generally a bot will go through, and bots are always combing through the videos and all that stuff looking for copyrighted content and everything, but it can do a match an audio match at that point. If I'm using a visual, it can do a visual match. But it will then match it and say, hey, you used from this point to this point 30 seconds of the song back by the artist nothing nowhere so at that point you can either uh do there's certain times of things where sometimes you're able to do split payment where you are still able to monetize the video and you're able to get some money from it but the artist gets some money i've rarely seen that for me i've never ever seen that most of the time what can end up happening is the artist will end up claiming it and they'll say hey You can keep the video up here, but we're going to be making all the money from it. We're going to be running the ads. We're going to be taking the money, and you're going to make nothing. Some other companies also say, hey, that's our content. We're going to claim it on your video. We're not taking your video down, but we're not going to run any ads on it. So we're not making money, and you're not making money. And YouTube's not making money. No one's making money on this video. So that's what the content ID system is. It just looks for things like that. A strike ends up meaning that it takes your video down and in place it puts a strike there which ends up penalizing your channel temporarily. So there's community guideline strikes which are through YouTube. So for example, if you upload a video with nudity, you can get a strike for that and copyright strikes so for example if let's say i upload the full song of callback by nothing nowhere on here a lot of times i will just get a content id claim but let's say i leaked it out early let's say i released it a week before the song was ever supposed to officially release at that point he or you know the company acting on his behalf can then file a copyright strike for copyright infringement which will give me a strike on the channel which will penalize me in some form and will remove the video from public view. And you can dispute those as well too. All of these you can dispute in different manners and they all work in different ways. So that's kind of the basics of how it works. But essentially what's happened was Nintendo has, they just have not understood YouTube, all right? For several years, it seemed to be okay where you could upload Nintendo footage and everything. And then they started claiming it, and then they said they were going to do the Nintendo partnership program, which meant that they would do a split revenue with you. So I believe it was something like, if you ended up, what was it, if you registered specific videos through Nintendo... Like if, let's say, you just decide to do one Nintendo-related video on your channel out of 100, if you want to monetize it, you'd have to go through the program and you'd have to file that individual video through Nintendo. And they would do a 60-40 split with you, meaning that they kept 60% of the ad revenue, or, no, I think it was, no, excuse me. I want to say it was, you keep 60% of the ad revenue, they keep 40% of whatever's made. Or you could partner your entire channel through them, meaning that Nintendo is now your channel partner or not your partner manager, but they're, they're your network that you're under. And with that one, you, you get a slightly better one. You get 70% of your income and they get 30. So they do a 70-30 split on there. It was stupid. It wasn't very successful because for years, and I'd mentioned about, I'd mentioned it here on Mario's Minute, but it was up and running for, I want to say, at least two or three years and the reason why I don't think it was successful is because one, they shut it down. And two, whenever people did play by the rules and did all of that and were willing to share how much they made, it wasn't that much. So I'm quite sure that Nintendo was actually losing money on this program simply by allocating people to run it because I'm sure they, they weren't making enough money to have it be a profitable program to pay for the people who were maintaining and working on it. So they ended up cutting it off and they said, you know what? You can just do whatever you want to on here with these Nintendo videos. They do have some guidelines, like they'll say, for example, we want your work to be transformative. If you just do like a three-hour Let's Play with no commentary of one of our games, we don't believe that that's going to be fair. So we could claim that and we could strike it if we want to. But at this point now, if you do, let's say, a three-hour Let's Play over Yoshi's Woolly World and you have a face cam in there and you're commentating over it, that's totally fine. So they're really not doing automatic content ID matches anymore, which is very nice. Um, However, with MVG in this case, Nintendo, they've been... They will go after YouTubers in waves when it comes to modding. Because, of course, I understand they really don't want modding on their consoles. Uh, But they are the company that goes the hardest at this. So with MVG, what they did was they took four of his videos. The, The first one, they ended up doing a manual claim. It was a manual content ID match for Super Mario 64 footage where he said, that there was no sound being used from Super Mario 64. It was only video. It was running through an emulator on the Switch. And they ended up doing a block worldwide on it. Because here's the other thing. I didn't mention this. But here's the other thing that you can do with Content ID. If you want to, you can just straight up block the video. So what they did in this instance was they said, Hey, out of your 12-minute video, you used 5 seconds of Super Mario 64 video footage we're going to block this video from being shown anywhere worldwide. So that way, it's not going to make any money, but it's not even going to get viewed. So at this point, MVG and probably Nintendo are the only two entities who can watch that video on YouTube. So he had one of them go up, and uh, it happened. He decided to not dispute it. He just let it sit there because he said, you know what? This video's run its course. It's not getting views anymore. I don't care about it. A few days later, three more videos ended up getting similar claims. I believe one of them was for A Link to the Past, I believe one of them was for Splatoon 2, and I don't know what the other one was. But they were all small audio-visual claims like that, and they were all blocked worldwide. So he made a video explaining all this that I talked with you all about. And he said, look, I think this is the definition of fair use. I'm going to try to dispute this. But honestly, going forward, no more Switch videos. Um, Nintendo, if that's what you wanted, guess what you won. It's not worth the headache to me. I don't want to stress about this. I don't want to worry about this. This is not why I do YouTube. This is not why I started YouTube. So if your goal was to stop me from doing videos, you have succeeded. But please release my current claims. So... What ended up happening was we did get a bit of an update on that, at least on the first claim. So the Super Mario 64 one, Nintendo ended up disputing. Well, Nintendo declined the dispute. Essentially, what happens is at this point, when someone ends up claiming your work, because sometimes these are incorrect as well, too, You can dispute that content ID match, whether it's incorrect or if you believe you're in fair use, because sometimes, in my opinion, for this situation, MVG was well within fair use, but there's other times where the content ID match is just incorrect, and I have disputed those. So essentially what happens is you have to give your reason to dispute, you have to sign your name on there, and then it gets sent to the person who, or to the entity that is filing the claim who has that initial claim on there. YouTube is kind of hands-off on this. And it goes there for 30 days. And there's three things that can happen. Either one, this company can say, hey, you're correct, we're going to release the claim. Two, the company can say, you're incorrect, we're going to keep the claim. Or three, the company can let the claim expire, and after 30 days, it will disappear, and you get it back. Now, this used to be a bit of a sore spot, because during that, if ads are running ads will still continue to run if the ads are running but a lot of companies used to do this so they would you know siphon the ad revenue off of videos and this has slowed down quite a bit but essentially what a lot of really scammy companies used to do is this was an example of something that happened to me when Bioshock Infinite first came out some fly-by-night company claimed a whole ton of brand new footage from small channels that had Bioshock Infinite coverage on them and they Flagged those video. They they claim those videos. So they would claim tons of all these small videos, and most people are afraid to dispute those content ID matches. But even if you did, guess what? That money that company is making thirty days worth of ad revenue off of it because they'll just let it sit there. Super legal thing to do, not right at all, even morally. But when it comes down to that, YouTube did change it so that the money goes into an escrow fund. So as soon as a dispute happens. YouTube holds on to all the money, and the money ends up being released from YouTube to the winner of this. In this case, though, you really can't argue the money thing, because, again, Content ID was used on these four videos from MVG to end up blocking them worldwide from from viewing, period. So they weren't making any money, they weren't even making views. But what ended up happening was he ended up disputing the first one. After a few days, I want to say, Nintendo ended up declining it, and they said, nope we are in the right here. So at that point, you can then dispute it again if you want to. And the problem is, if you dispute it again, and they still end up denying, that's looked at as, you know, you're abusing the system, and then you can get a strike on your channel for that. So it's actually dangerous to continue with it a second time, uh, unless you really know that you're, you know, 100% in the right. Like, if it's a completely fraudulent claim that would be a bit more understanding, but with this, especially with a big company like Nintendo, I personally believe this really does fall within the realm of fair use, but unfortunately there's, you know, know, it's just, it's, it's really not worth fighting on that, unless you just have endless pools of money on there if he wants to go to court on it, which it just wasn't worth it in this case, unfortunately, so what ended up happening was that got, that, that, you know, appeal end up getting denied, MVG didn't want to do it a second time, so he said, you know what, the videos are going down on YouTube, I'm not going to make any more Switch videos, the existing Switch videos are going to get re-uploaded onto BitChute, so he is now on BitChute at Modern Vintage Gamer, and the videos are perfectly viewable there, and that's about it. And it's just frustrating seeing stuff like this, Um, especially since these were, again, just super small things there. He wasn't doing tutorials showing, you know, how to pirate all these games. He was using legitimate copies of what he had as well, too. And again, this was just, you know, really, in my opinion, the definition of fair use. It's, you know, an 11, 12-minute video, and five seconds of it is Super Mario 64, and because of those five seconds the entire video got claimed and blocked worldwide, that's just, in my opinion, that's not fair at all, Um, but, you know, what can you do, (laughs) aside from getting some traction, I know he has gotten a whole lot of social media support, a whole lot of YouTube support, there was even a Kotaku article about it as well too, which I'm glad that, you know, it's getting signal boosted, and of course Nintendo doesn't want to respond to comments on here, but man, this is just some of the stuff that they do, and I wanted to kind of outline you know, some of the stuff they've done before, because they've tried to go after YouTubers and such for content that they did in regards to modding, and it's not just modding in general, they, they always do it in waves, and it's generally with their newer systems, so for example, like the Nintendo Super Nintendo Classic systems, I've never seen any of those videos getting taken down, ever, ever, I don't think Nintendo cares about them at all, however... With the 3DS, when it was hot, they cared about it a bit. Before the Switch was coming out, they decided to go attack the 3DS videos again. With the Switch, they keep coming back in different ways. So there's been a few ways that I have seen this. The the first time, I actually ended up battling this here, but I was getting community guideline strikes for 3DS videos that I had, and it wasn't just me, it was several people, and it was specifically, like, it it had to be algorithm-based. But it was 3ds videos about flash carts, meaning Sky 3ds, Gateway 3ds, but even a DS flash cart showing it being like showing a DS flash cart being run on a 3ds. Anything related to flash carts and 3 dss was getting community guideline strikes. Now, I had made several videos about this when it ended up happening in 2016, and I still think they're good videos, so even if you're interested, I'd recommend checking them out. The big video there is the community guideline strike rant. I believe that's what it is. And I really fought YouTube on this, and they ended up reviewing it several times, and I think the fourth time, they said, you know what, guess what? Uh, Because of this here, I don't want to spoil it fully, but they said, because of this, uh, we ended up releasing the claim partially because of this, partially because of what you said, Um, so we released a strike here, not claim, excuse me, but we released a strike, so congratulations, you're all good, but at the time, they were trying to cite the circumvention of technological measures, which that's what I believed is what it was, but to me, now, even years later, I don't think it was that, I think they were just citing it to keep the video down, they as in YouTube, but To me, it just looked like these were regular community guideline strikes that were probably pushed through by Nintendo. I can't link it to Nintendo. I can't say it was Nintendo directly because I have no proof. But what I do know is that if you get a circumvention of technological measures complaint, it says that explicitly in an email, in an automated email, from what I have observed. And I never got any automated emails like that. My emails were for community guideline strikes. I just think there was an automated system or there was a bot that was combing through any videos that were about 3DS and flashcards and was flagging them and YouTube was taking them down. And it was probably backed by an entity like Nintendo or Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation. So that was the first experience I had had with them. And even prior to that, apparently, the Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation, who acts on behalf of Nintendo, was actually taking several videos down for copyright strikes. I never got any of those, but I got the community guideline strikes. So I decided to tap out. That was my thing where I said, you know what? No more 3DS videos. I'm done here. So that's why I really don't make tutorials over brand new nintendo systems if you all have noticed i'll do them over older systems but for the newer nintendo systems one it's for channel security and two it's because the modding scenes are moving so fast on them that you make a video now and it's outdated like i'll tell you for example i followed a video tutorial on uh setting up custom firmware like uh atmosphere for the nintendo switch and even, you know, a few days after it came out, I decided to watch it and I said, you know what, I'll just be lazy and follow along. It was outdated. Like, it wasn't massively outdated, but it was outdated by just a few days. And that's what happens. These scenes are just evolving so fast like that. So that's what ends up happening, which is, which is good for the modding scene overall. But for videos, you know, you can't update a video, unfortunately. So it is what it is. But the other things they had done were when they ended up coming back, they as a Nintendo, when they came back uh, to attack 3DS homebrew and modding videos, they ended up doing copyright strikes through the Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation. So I know of several YouTubers who got their strikes and I know of even other YouTubers who got their channels terminated because of stuff like this. Uh, Apparently then Nintendo has come back with the Switch and they did copyright strikes again. But they actually did them, it was still the Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation, but instead of Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation putting their name on it, they were actually saying it was Nintendo, but it was then, you know, kind of like Nintendo and then in small like fine print font, Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation acting on behalf of Nintendo. But it was straight up Nintendo name right there uh, with the strikes, so... Regardless, it was still the Belgian Anti-Piracy Federation that was acting on behalf of them. But I digress. That's what was happening there. And from what I saw, a lot of these copyright strikes, you know, they went and they struck a bunch of channels. But then they released a ton of them. And then several of these videos were getting community guideline strikes. So Nintendo started doing, well, okay, I can't blame Nintendo. I can't blame them. But they started coincidentally getting... Community guideline strikes. And a lot of these were for SXOS related videos, which, in case you don't know, is the team executor custom firmware for the Nintendo Switch. So, really, it was anything SXOS related, like an SXOS tutorial on the Switch. Those videos were getting copyright strikes. And then, when those were getting appealed and they were successfully appealed, they were getting community guideline strikes. And I know Sculator had made a video about this, and rest in peace to his channel, because he got terminated in the end, but he said that his videos, it was the same ones, he would file a, they were getting community guideline strikes, and he would appeal. And then a few days later, they would get strikes, and then he would appeal, and they'd be released. And then a few days later... He would get strikes, and then he would appeal, and they'd be released. And that's something, that's that, that's a whole other thing, too. That's a YouTube fault at that point, all right? Because if it's a copyright strike, here's the thing. If you are a copyright holder, and you end up striking down a video, and then it ends up getting appealed, you can either accept the appeal, so you end up releasing it, or you can deny it. And in order to deny it, the only way you can deny it is you have to show YouTube that you are going to take the uploader to court which rarely happens in all honesty Um, but when it comes down to that for the appeal process um, the other thing is I guess option three is you can just let it expire and then it falls off but if it expires or if you decide to accept the appeal it is explicitly noted that you as the company or you as the copyright holder cannot strike down that video a second time because you are relinquishing it you you have one chance that's it (laughs) So what ended up happening was the community guidelines, though. With my logic, it's just, someone correct me, please, if I'm wrong on here. Thank you, Lily. But someone correct me, please, if I'm wrong on here. If a video gets a community guideline strike, that means it's violating some kind of YouTube rules. But then if you appeal and then it's decided, hey, this was actually incorrect and the video comes back. I feel like that video should get a whitelist on it or something where it's like, hey, this video can't get taken down for a community guideline strike a second time because it went down one time and it was appealed and we found out that it was a mistake. So we should just put a whitelist on this or just put a blanket over this video like, no, this cannot get struck down again. I think that's fair. I think that needs to be treated the same as a, a, a as a copyright strike where if a copyright holder strikes down a video and then... They don't and then you appeal and they either accept the appeal or they just ignore it and it falls off, they can't strike it down again. That needs to be the same thing with community guideline strikes. Because again, it's if a video comes down that's allegedly YouTube saying there is something wrong with this video to the point where it's violating our guidelines. And if you appeal it successfully, that means you have said, Hey, I have had YouTube review this video and YouTube has confirmed to me that I am not breaking any rules. At that point, that video should be safe from ever being taken down from another community guideline strike. But it isn't. So those community guideline strikes were happening. And then Nintendo, and this is Nintendo, because it, this is like, imagine a community guideline version of a copyright strike. That's the best way I could explain it. A circumvention of technical technological measures is essentially a complaint that is being filed by a owner or by a company by an entity of something that is being shown on the video so for example like a perfect example of this would be let's say you upload a video and the video is how to crack let's say how to crack grand theft auto 5 well if rockstar wants to they could do a um was it they could do a copyright strike on that video Uh, but the other thing is a a lot of places like this and and copyright is more towards how do i say it's more towards distribution that's where it's put so for example if you have a link to a pirated copy of grand theft auto 5 in your description that could count for a copyright strike however if you don't have any links and you're telling people hey this is how you do it i'm not going to link you anything but this is kind of how you can do it and google is your friend and blah 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 at that point then, Rockstar could file a, or Take-Two in this case, they can file a circumvention of technological measures and essentially say, Hey, the goal of this video is to bypass the protection that we have put into Grand Theft Auto V to prevent it from being pirated. And this video is teaching people how to bypass that. It's not linking to it to, the, it, it to them directly, but it's teaching them how to bypass that so therefore we want to file this and at that point if it is successfully filed then it's in youtube's court and youtube assigns a community guideline strike based on circumvention of technological measures it did happen with several notable reverse engineering channels at one point and they were able to get their channels back because some of them several got terminated but they all came back thankfully and nintendo seemed to have been making use of this Because several videos had this happening to them where, again, they would go down, they would come back. They would go down, they would come back after they were getting appealed and such. And Nintendo's the only company that's able to file those in. So that's what they were filing them for. But I want to say they're still doing it now. I haven't seen any recently, but I want to say it's still happening. And if it's not currently happening, it's going to happen in waves. But I have seen this content ID thing that they're doing and mvg is not the only one this has happened to i did see another youtuber tech james who he had made a video talking about why he doesn't do switch modding videos and i never saw this one so this is allegedly based on what he said but allegedly he claimed that he had one of his videos that was copyright claimed through the content id system manually it was a manual content id claim for super mario 64 And he claims that his video didn't even have Super Mario 64 in there. So if that is the case, that is, that is completely wrong at that point. That is a severe abuse of power because at least with MVG, some people, in my opinion, it's still very much fair use. Some people might still say, oh, well, Nintendo made that game. They can dictate how it's going to be used. But at that point, like with Tech James, if what he's saying is correct, they're claiming something that is not in the video. So even if people are saying, "Oh, well, he's doing it all on the Switch," it's like it doesn't matter because they are claiming, allegedly, they're claiming that this footage from this game that they own is being used. If it's not being used, so that's what I don't gets there. But it seems like that's what they're doing now, and it is, it is the softest I have seen Nintendo go. Funny enough, because a content ID claim does not damage your channel; it does not cripple your channel. Thankfully. But it is a very effective way if they're doing this. It is an effective way of censoring and taking down those videos without actively harming the channel. Man, it's frustrating. It's frustrating seeing this. It really sucks to see this. But, you know, it's stuff like that. Again, that's why I really don't cover the Nintendo Switch. Because I I figured, you know, when I dealt with the 3DS stuff, I said, you know what? If Nintendo's doing this with 3DS, they're going to come back with a vengeance. They're going to be going hard for the Switch, especially with all the stuff they've changed, the the, the YouTube changes they've made, um, you know, with taking down the partner network that they end up having, and just several other things as well, too. So I figured they were going to come back. And look, the Switch is incredibly successful. So they're they're good, too. They Like, they're within their right to protect it, but this is just not the best way, in my opinion. Like, even... I saw several people saying this in MVG's video where he was talking about, you know, the strikes. And people were saying, it's crazy that they're doing these content ID matches to block your videos showing homebrew and the capabilities that are hidden in the switch which you can unlock. But they're not taking down the videos which are explicitly not even ones that are like how to install custom firmware. It's like, no, The videos that are still staying up are like how to illegally download and get switch games for free like uh, videos that are just completely just right up there saying this is how you get free switch games those videos are staying up so that's the frustrating thing with this man it's frustrating overall (laughs) man i'm getting tired and uh this podcast i want it be i want it to be a little bit shorter than the previous ones the previous ones have run on for a bit longer but the last thing i want to cover is what games i've been playing so there has been a few games I've been playing here. Uh, I did finish up Death Mark, which in case you do not know, it is a visual novel. It's on Vita, PC, Switch, and PS4. Now, I had been on the fence about this for so long. It came out October 31st, 2018. It is a visual novel. I had never played a visual novel. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to spend all the money on this. I really don't know. So the past few months, I've been up in the air on it. And I've just kind of been, you know, sitting on the fence about buying it or not. However, I forgot how awesome libraries are. And I love local libraries, man. And I can only encourage you all to support your libraries. And the reason why I say this is because my local library has video games. And it has PS4 games. And one of the PS4 games it had was Deathmark. So I said, you know what? I would, if I was to buy this, and I still stand by this. If I was to buy the game, I would get it on Switch. But do I spend 40 bucks to get it on Switch? Or if I'm iffy about the game, do I play it for free? free by borrowing it for a few weeks from the library i should do the latter especially since this is a game that i have no experience with and my god it was great now i'm going to say that if you are not a person who wants to do 12 because it took me about 12 hours to beat if you don't want to do 12 hours worth of reading if you don't want to be looking for uh, clues if you don't want to play something that really doesn't have that much gameplay this is not for you visual novels are not going to be for you however if you really want somewhere where you can just relax to a degree, you can sit back, do a lot of reading, really get engrossed into this atmosphere and really just, you know, sink into a story. Get your teeth deep into a story. Oh, my goodness. It was great. It is it is like a, a Silent Hill visual novel is like one of the, the simplest ways that I can explain it. The sound was on point. The art was great. I really enjoyed the characters on there and man, this shit was terrifying, there were a few times, there were a few times I had to kind of just stop playing, I'm like, I'm in my dark basement alone, I can't, I can't do this, man, I can't deal with uh, the, uh, the, the sensory overload that I'm getting, but it was so good, and even the stories, I don't want to spoil them, but the stories are just so fucked up too, like I was, because my girlfriend was asking how the game was, and I was telling her about it, and I'm just telling her, like, I'm like, Man, I have to say this out loud because it's almost, it is unbelievable because it is fiction, but it's just so fucked up that I have to say it out loud to almost reiterate it to myself. So I would very much recommend it. Uh, I beat it once. I only got the normal ending. I know exactly where I messed up, and because of that, I did not get the good ending, which means that I did not get to play the extra chapter, which is disappointing. So if I ever do feel like playing the game again, I am going to pick it up, and I'm going to get it on Switch, and I'm going to play through it on there, because I think it is a fantastic game, and I really regret that I didn't play it sooner, but on the positive note, I got to play it for free, which was great, so Deathmark very great game I, I can highly recommend it and I definitely want to try out some other visual novels if you all have any visual novels you recommend let me know uh, I do want to try out Doki Doki Literature Club I have at least downloaded it before and I know that's a free game on Steam I know very little about it it's one of those apparently you should really know nothing going into it but I want to play it. so I think that that'll be my next visual novel will be Doki Doki Literature Club um I end up picking up Darksiders which on the switch and now i have played more darksiders than i ever have i've tried it on 360 i've tried it on pc and something always made me stop within 10 or 15 minutes but i'm like an hour or two into the switch version and it's fantastic and even the thing is the nice thing is with the switch version it has two modes of play it has a graphical mode which runs the game at 30 frames a second and gives you the best graphical fidelity you can get on the switch which is pretty good but I mean you know it's something from the 360 era and there is the um, the performance mode which lowers the graphical fidelity as well as the internal resolution native resolution I guess is the proper term but it plays at 60 frames second locked. And I'm playing at the performance mode because I'm like, look, I'm playing on a tiny screen. It looks okay, sure, it's fine to me, but my goodness, just playing at that 60 frames on the Switch is so nice. So I'm playing that, that's been great. Still early into it, so I don't have, you know, the best opinion on it, but like to give a review, but I'm very much enjoying it so far. I have pretty much said that the game has always looked and felt like a hellish Zelda to me which I, I've seen several people verify that, too. They're kind of like, yeah, this is kind of like Zelda in Hell, but with Mark Hamill. I don't remember who, but there was somebody who said that on um, a recent episode of Thrifty Gaming Pickups on my second channel where I talked about Darksiders. I've also been playing, what was the other game, Deltarune Chapter 1. I still have not beat that. I need to actually... I keep shaking everything at my table, man. I, I need to actually beat that as well, too. Just knock that out, but oh well. I spend my time doing stuff like this, messing with game systems and making videos about game systems and doing podcasts instead of playing games. And I should, I should play more games, but oh, well that time will come soon. I'm kind of doing this on purpose too. So I'll have some more time, you know, next week to get some games in. But those are really the three that I could think of Deathmark, Darksiders, dark and Delta three DDD, the triple, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that on purpose. Damn. So yeah, I'm just playing all the D games here. Maybe the next game I should play is D like literally it's just like the letter D and I think it came out on Saturn and PS one, but maybe I should play that next. I don't know. Keep up with the themes. Anyways, that's it. That's about it for this episode of Mario's minute. Thank you all for listening and watching. I very much appreciate it. If you enjoyed watching this in video form, a like would absolutely be appreciated. A dislike is fine as well too. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, um, I guess rate it. I don't know I I have never asked people to rate those things but do what you want to I never really pay attention to those I just know I think it's more downloads it's really if your podcast is getting consistently downloaded it's doing better and reviews don't really do all that much so you know if you're watching the video you want to listen to it check out the the podcast and download form if you want to participate in a community with comments and such you know check out the video version And this is something I like to do at the end of every video where I like to, or every podcast episode, I like to see who made it to the end. So if you're on YouTube, use this keyword. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this, uh, come on to the YouTube channel. It's Mr. Mario 2011 And uh, check out the episode of Mario's Minute and comment with this keyword. I'm going to use keyword banana and the reason why I'm using that keyword is I will tell one final story and then I'll sign off here uh, this morning I decided to give Lily a banana I was you know shucking some bananas I guess you can say because uh, they were getting you know all super brown and super ripe and I was removing the peel so I could put them in the freezer and what ended up happening was I had a little piece of one and I found out the dogs can eat bananas in very small amounts so I decided to give one to Lily and and she popped it into her mouth and ran over to a rug that I have. And she kind of bit it a couple times. She licked it a couple times. And then she tried to rub herself on it. And I stopped her. But I I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I certainly was not expecting that. But she's a very weird dog. But that's why I'm bringing this up here. So banana is the keyword please let me know what you think of bananas please let me know if you enjoy bananas if you hate them if you've ever tried to rub your entire body on a very small sliver of banana let me know just as long as you use keyword banana in your comment i will know that you made it until the end anyways this is mr mario signing off thank you all for listening and watching everyone until next month and next month we'll have a guest i don't know who but we'll have someone